Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us today on the I Love Seville Show. It's good to be with you. We talk Charlottesville. We talk Almar County. We talk Central Virginia. We talk topics that matter to families, to couples, to individuals. Um, and we talk about the future and how to make it better on a talk show that's live on all social media platforms. We're going to talk today, Little John's and Michael's Bistro, those two restaurants I mean, some of the most iconic, especially Little John's, some of the most iconic brands of, of Charlottesville yesteryear. If you want to rent the combined Little John's Michael's Bistro space, you're looking at $10,000 a month. I'm looking at the listing right now. 10K a month, the escalator is a 3% year over year over year escalator. You get 5,400 square feet. We have an absolute, absolute triple net lease. Not just a triple net lease, but an absolute triple net lease. I'll let you know what the difference between a triple net lease and an absolute triple net lease is on today's program. And I'm going to ask you, the viewer and listener, who can afford 10 Gs a month, an absolute triple net lease? I'll give you a hint. With an absolute triple net lease, you're responsible for the upkeep of the building, including the roof and the exterior. A triple net lease, you're not responsible for the, the, um, the maintenance, the structure, the roof um, in a triple net lease. With an absolute triple net lease, you are. So it's not just 10 Gs a month. Damn. It's not just 10 Gs a month. It's the taxes on the building. It's the insurance premiums. It's all the building maintenance and repair. So basically you're doing everything an owner would do except you don't own the property. Yeah. That's so right. That's the, owner, exactly right. the mm-hmm. owner is making out like an absolute bandit. And I think bandit may be the, the best mm-hmm. word for that. Am I, am I wrong? The absolute triple is net that, lease, uh, arguably the most aggressive of all the leases. Are we on a two-shot? Yeah, that's the yeah. Judah Wick hour we love right there. Asking fair questions. I mean, is that is that just is that just being? Uh, I mean, I don't want to start swearing, but is that just a d bag thing to do? I mean, it's the commercial game. It's how it's played commercially, especially in class A so top tier properties. I mean, I, yeah, so I guess I mean, this is this a, property what, is so good they can they can act like yeah. however they want to act because exactly. because they have it all. Yeah. They have the world by the short and curls. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty just, much what just what every city needs more of, people like that. That's that's pretty up uh, pretty much what we're talking about here. Michael Wells, what's up, man? Good to see you uh, watching the program here. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up to you is the plight of the local entrepreneur yeah you're basically saying that there's no way that anyone trying to open a local shop in charlottesville could afford that so basically you we're, we've already, we already know that that's going to go to something like a sheets or a cadoba or a, you know a big box brand you're personally guaranteeing this as well yeah and and a personal guarantee means you're putting collateral assets on the line for the value of the lease in its full term. So you're probably looking out of the gate for something of this significance. UVA Corner, pretty prestigious location. A 10-year term with 10-year options to renew. 
So at minimum, a local entrepreneur is going to come out of the gate here. It's one point two million at, at ten years. Yeah, there, there's there's the money, and that's minimum. That's that's without maintenance. That's which without will, the three percent yearly escalator. Out. The three percent yearly escalator every year mm. that compounds. Yeah, three percent of uh, ten G's is uh, what three hundred bucks. Well, it's three percent a year, right? So it'd be three percent. You can extrapolate it over the course of over the year. Three hundred times twelve is thirty-six hundred. Okay, so you got something that is unaffordable. And here's, I'll take it a step further. I'll take it a step further for the viewers and listeners. We're talking Michael's Bistro, guys. If you guys are just tuning in, the Michael's Bistro Little John spot is on the market now for rent. $10,000 a month rent. An absolute triple net lease. So you're responsible for the building maintenance, including the roof and exterior portions of the building. You're responsible for the taxes on the building. You're responsible for the the insurance premiums on the building. As Judah said, you're responsible for everything with the building, but you don't own the building. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it a step further. And these particular parameters, can whatever opens there actually make money? Fair question. Yeah. Next step, the Chipotles and the Raising Canes and the Starbuckses that are coming to the UVA corner, are they doing this almost as a marketing strategy to put their brand in front of the next generation of wealthy consumers. UVA students, undergraduates, UVA students, graduates, because they're at this school that's prestigious and acclaimed, they're going to matriculate, graduate from the school, they're going to have earning potential, they're the next generation of wealthy consumers. Raising Cane's and Chipotle and Starbucks, the businesses that are coming to the corner, are as much thinking about making money as they are about having their brand in front of the next generation of folks driving money spent locally and, and, and jurisdiction everywhere. Yeah, okay? like a lost leader. Marketing strategy. I mean, I, I wouldn't be... I, I think Raising Cane's is going to crush it. I think Chipotle is going to crush it. I think Starbucks does crushes it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, you've got decently... If you've got decently priced food, I remember when I was in college... And let's work the lower thirds on screen. Topics. People like those. There we, was a... Uh, there was a, uh, what was it, um, uh, on the East Coast, it's called Hardee's, uh, Carl's Jr. Yeah. In, uh, in the center of... Great commercial. In the center of the, the USC campus, and I ate there all the time. I mean, it was ideally positioned for, uh, you know, to, uh, to show off the brand. Yeah, I mean... The reason I'm relaying this to you is you have some ammunition for a conversation. Here's the ammunition you have for a conversation at a party or at break over lunch or in the uh, carpool line at school or when you're sitting at the bleachers at your son's baseball game. If you wanted to rent the Michael's Bistro Little John's building on the UVA corner, the restaurants are stacked on top of each other. It's roughly 5,000, it's exactly, excuse me, it's exactly 5,397 square feet, these two stacked restaurants, right in the best spot on the corner possible. The month is 10 G's, the rent a month is 10 G's. 
It's an absolute triple net lease, which means you're responsible for the exterior maintenance of the building, including the roof and the HVAC. You're also responsible for the taxes on the building, the insurance premiums on the building. You're responsible for the monthly rent. You basically have to run the building without owning it. Your rent increases 3% every year. And you're probably looking at minimum. Maybe you can negotiate a five-year lease. I doubt that. I would imagine it's a 10-year lease with some 10-year options. There's no one locally that is going to take that risk. Yeah. There's no one locally that's going to take the risk. And the days of locals taking the risk on the corner may be over. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Maybe over. Me at all. Okay. Especially Maybe over. Like you, I mean, you've said before, we've got, there are three owners. There's three owners of the corner. And they obviously, you know, they're obviously. Don't throw shade. Uh, okay. I won't they're, shade. they're, they're. Business people. Pricing according to the market. Uh, I've heard a lot of that lately. In fact, I think uh, there was some talk about that on the uh, real estate show earlier. Please. I'd love to take a deep dive. I mean, I don't know exactly. Pricing according to the market is what's <laughs> happening on the corner. Yeah. And, uh, and pricing according to the market, uh, according to this, uh, you know, what was it, a neighborhood in, in Richmond, where uh, pretty much all the properties are, you know, are now worth, what, seven, what was it, 740? Yeah, um, six and a quarter. Six and a quarter. Six and a quarter. And, and Scott was talking about a Culpepper. A neighbor in Culpeper, neighborhood in Culpeper, where one unit came on the market. It's a 150-home neighborhood in Culpeper. This one unit came on the market, $625,000 asking price. Everyone in the neighborhood thought their home was worth in the low fives to mid fives. Everyone in this 150-unit neighborhood in Culpeper, this neighborhood, where all the houses are basically the same because they were built at the same time with the same floor plans by the same people, they all rolled their eyes when someone asked 625000 The house sold, and now every house there, thereafter comes on the market with the 625 ask. Yeah. The reason, the whole point I'm bringing this up on today's show before we get to the next topic is the days of a local taking on the risk personally guaranteeing a 10-year lease at $10,000 a month, an absolute triple net lease when you're responsible for the exterior maintenance of the building and the taxes and the insurance premiums, when you're putting your house on the line, a stock portfolio on the line, whatever it may be. That's nuts. Before assuming the cost of labor, before assuming the cost of whatever you're selling, cost of goods, before signage, store build-out, branding, website, anything. Mm. And before the leak happens in the roof, the HVAC unit busts, the refrigerator breaks, this is where you're at. That's another good question. How no one's going to do that. How do, you know what they're, how do you know what they're leaving you with? What do you mean? There's restaurant equipment in the space, and you have to buy that too. It does not come back. Uh, I, what I mean is, how do you know, uh, I mean... I, I suppose you'd want to go and check the roof. Oh, and the HVAC. Before when you... we when we help sell Moe's, Derek Derek Bond, who owns Moe's, also owns the melting pot. Yeah, 
he did a full inspection of the building. Oh, yeah. Because he was responsible at Moe's for the exterior maintenance of the building. So he inspected, Derek's a smart, Derek, you're a smart guy. Yeah. He inspected the HVAC, the roof, every exterior. Before you lease something like this, you're doing a full inspection of the building. Yeah, especially with the lease like this. I mean, Cully, Bug, Cully Baggett is watching the program, the uh, Green County uh, developer. And he says, I just did a complete build out for a restaurant very close to Barracks Road. I will not mention the name. And it had basically the same lease. It was honestly, he says, the first time I had heard of that. Um, he says, AC, the AC units on the roof were dying and we eventually replaced them at the renter's expense. This was one of the many things that fell into that category of fixes that the brand new renters had to cover um, that they had clearly nothing to do with. Although it's an amazing location, I just can't see the, signing the lease myself. This renter incurred around 30000 worth of maintenance before he could open with no prior knowledge. I mean, at that clip, you almost need a commercial inspection prior to signing a lease. The commercial inspections are happening. Yeah. The commercial inspections, you should do a commercial inspection before signing the lease, 100%. That's what my clients are doing. Yeah. 100%. Anyway, um, the days of the local on the corner are done. Yeah, very sad. Um, all right, next topic on the lower third, if you could. Um, this is the uh, making waves on Reddit, on the, on the interwebs. Barracks Road's got a code of ethics sign. I should set the stage better. Uh, Barracks Road is owned by Federal Realty. Federal Realty is a publicly traded company. Federal Realty owns some of the best real estate in America. And Federal Realty owns the best real estate in Charlottesville City. What's better real estate than Barracks Road? If you could own anything, I mean, I guess you would say if you could own anything, you would probably own parts of UVA or the corner. I'm not talking about from a cash performance. I'm just talking about a coveted real estate that you would want to own. From, from a cash performance standpoint, from a shopping district standpoint, Barracks Road is the number one shopping district locally, and it's owned by a publicly traded company, Federal Realty. Barracks Road Shopping Center is a private, is, is private. So they have different rules at Barracks Road and in Stonefield, the shops at Stonefield, than they do on the downtown mall, which is a public park. A lot of people don't realize Barracks Road's a public park. So here's what's gaining momentum on the interwebs. There's a sign at Barracks Road that has a code of etiquette. And this code of etiquette basically tells you how to behave at Barracks Road. First, it's sad the world has come to when you go to a shopping center, you need a sign to tell you how to behave. Yeah. That's sad. Second, the sign is clearly there as a leverage point for eviction or removal from the property, or trespassing charges when it comes to the property. It's, hey, we've documented the rules. They're right there. They're public and visible. You are breaking them. You will be removed from the property for trespassing or for infringing on these rules. One thing you may realize with Barracks Road versus the downtown mall, what does Barracks Road not have that the downtown mall has? Barracks Road not have... That the downtown mall does have? Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Haven? I was, well, I mean, it doesn't have shelters around it. Soup kitchens and, and, and shelters that offer 
the homeless population respite 24-7. No, Barracks Road does not have that. You are correct. You are correct. I was looking for this answer. While your answer was undoubtedly correct, what I was looking for was Barracks Road does not have a homelessness problem. It doesn't have a panhandling problem, at least not a consistent, visible one. Maybe the pesky occasional panhandler. That's why it's curious that they're putting this up, but... um that, the sign's been there for a while. That's not new. Oh, has it? I've seen that sign before. Where, where is it put up? Uh, it's visibly on the side in the center of barracks. And I think there's multiple signage points in the shopping center. No doubt. Here's the question I have. Well, what's the question you have when it comes to this and how it relates to downtown? And the perfect segue to this would be, what is the biggest impactor of downtown engagement? Is it crime, panhandling, or homelessness? My wife listened to the show yesterday and said, you and Judah and Alex talked about panhandling and homelessness, but you failed to mention anything about the crime yesterday. I mean, I, I get that that could have an effect on people. but That's really, her number one. But really, there hasn't been any crime on the downtown mall. I'm just telling you, there that's was, her number one. And her yeah, friends. I know, I get that, but... It's the Omni Hotel shootout, OK Corral, with the teenagers popping off in the parking lot, and then the, uh, yeah. the killing outside the bar in the downtown mall. Yeah. Uh, that's the extent of, of, of documented, media-reported violence of late. Yeah. Downtown. Mm, I mean, I, would, I still would think that it was uh, that uh, homelessness and... Uh, I'd almost say that homelessness would be a bigger factor than, uh, than panhandling. Uh, some people get harassed by panhandlers. Not everybody does, though. But uh, when I was walking the, the downtown mall yesterday, there was a guy, like, lying. Just oh, you literally, after the, oh, you got the photos? Yeah. You did? I got some. You got the photos for the empty storefront index? Yeah. Did you, how many, how many total photos was it? Not surprisingly, not that many. How many is total? No. It was like five or six. No way. Gosh, you definitely did. Dude, I counted way more than that. Okay, you went from the pavilion to the Omni, looking on both sides of the mall, and only had five to six empty storefronts. I didn't go up any of the side streets. No uh, way, there's just five to six, dude. Finish your thought, I'm interrupting you. I just... For, for a point, because I'm going to make that walk, and I'm going to count them, and I'll stand corrected if it's more. I mean, I... Or I if, it's the, if it's your right, I'll stand corrected. But I think, I think it's more than five or six. I think... Uh, uh, I think that was a haste walk where you were distracted. No, I was looking. I mean, maybe I missed something, but it's... It's kind of... First of all, it's kind of hard to tell, and I think the issue is more than just uh, is more than just vacancies i think part of the issue is that you've got places like uh, uh, himalayan fusion which i took a picture of because i wasn't even sure if they were still open they say they have new hours that's like i think that, that business is for sale four go to ahead 8 or 4 to 9 so i think part of the issue is that you've got this staggered opening You've got places like Himalayan Fusion that op- don't open until 4. You've got places like uh, the Nook that are only open until 3. Then you've got places like, like uh, uh, Miller's uh, that I don't even know if they have hours up anywhere. I never see them open during the day, so I'm assuming that if they're open, they're only open at night. Uh, I went there one time uh, 
when I decided to go walking on the mall with Eliza after work and sat down because I thought, hey, I would love to get some food at Miller's and uh, sat down right, uh, right in the front window. Mm-hmm. And somebody came out and said, no, you can't sit with a dog here. So you've, you'll have to sit in the middle. And I was just like, eh, oh, well, I'll go look for someplace else to eat. And so there's just this, uh, there's no consistency on the downtown mall. And that's a fair point. You've made that point. I think that point is very much um, impacting things downtown. I think it's a very, 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 very good point. Let's put the lower third on there um, about the... Uh, the panhandling homelessness first crime. For me, I think the if you if you could eradicate obviously one of those three things. If you can eradicate it, you want it to be crime. It's impossible to eradicate crime. But you're yeah. much more likely to eradicate aggressive panhandling than you are crime or homelessness. But there is no crime on the downtown mall. Is the crime people are talking about aggressive panhandling? Is what people, is what, here's, I have a legitimate question for you. People, some people say it's, they feel uncomfortable or not safe downtown. You've heard that before. Is what they're talking about the aggressive panhandling? Is what my wife is talking about when I get home after she listens to yesterday's show? You and Judah just talked about panhandling and homelessness, but you didn't talk about the crime. Is that actually the aggressive panhandling? Possibly. I mean... And Alex, I, Alex's comment yesterday about the panhandlers needing to get a peddler's license and a business license, those things are like 30 bucks each. But forcing or, or insisting on them getting a peddler's license or a business license to panhandle downtown, that's not a bad idea. It gives the police a mechanism to remove someone from the downtown mall where it's clear cut, you don't have these papers on you, get off the mall. It cannot be about race. It cannot be about any of the political hot-button topics. Oh, you wait. Well, of course. But the peddler's license and the business license, those two documents, gives a sense of... Yeah, we, can, we have the tools to do something or the... It's a great idea. The means to do something, whereas... Now- the Merchants Association or Friends of Seville... Downtown Merchants Association or Friends of Seville or restaurant owners or businesses owners, business owners on the downtown mall. Perhaps percolate that idea. If you're panhandling downtown, you should or be required to have a peddler's license or a business license. You're running a business. You're selling yourself and asking for money. Where do you in a shopping district? I think the problem... I think a panhandler is a business person. I think the problem would be where do you... Uh, you know, I, I, there's, there's, a, a large, uh, there's a large overlap. The, the Venn diagram of homeless and, and panhandler often overlaps on the downtown mall where you have people that may just be homeless who are, uh, you know, doing whatever they do on the downtown mall... Who I mean, a lot of the homeless are on the downtown mall because of the soup kitchens and shelters around the mall. And the soup kitchens serve or provide three meals a day. So the homeless are hanging downtown for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then they know they can stay downtown and get one of the cots to stay overnight. 
So where, if you're going to hang and loiter downtown to get free food and a place to stay in Charlottesville, it would be downtown. Yeah. It's either... Especially it's, since they're located here. It's either the downtown mall or it's the, or it's the park. I mean, I see them when I walk Liza. Fourth Street Park, Market Street Park, Lee Park, whatever it's called now. Yeah. The one next to the library. It's almost always... Uh, there's almost always people, people in there. And even when there's not people... There's usually there's usually somebody's stuff uh, waiting, hanging out on one of the benches. Yeah, hundred percent. I see it too. Not so, to mention not to mention discarded razors and uh, other weird things. Dude, like I was, I saw for the first time, and I'm very even hesitant to mention this. I've only seen it once since I was been downtown. <laughs> the used syringe. Oh, yeah. That's something that I. Thankfully, haven't seen back alley of the Macklin. Mm. The used syringe walking to the post office, Man. sitting right there on the street. It was disgusting. First time I've ever seen it in Charlottesville. Yeah, that's not something. I've... First time ever. That's literally first. Hopefully, a last. Um, good news, or I don't want to use good news because I feel like the news we talk about is fair. But um, a talking point that is a, a newer segment of the show is Judah and I wanted to offer like the history of buildings locally. And I think if you're talking about buildings in Charlottesville city, there's few buildings more iconic or talked about than 500 court square, the old Monticello hotel. I think you have some graphics or some visuals we could put on screen. Walk me through the visuals you're going to put up first. All right. Well, first we've got the map. All right. So what do you got on screen? A Google map of the Monticello hotel? It is dead center. Okay, I'll talk about it after you put the map up. Map's on. The map's up. Where's the red circle? I got this on the on the Mac, and it's... There's no red circle on the map. It's dead center with a red pin. No, there's two red pins on that map. No, there's a pink pin, and there's a red pin. Well, the pink pin says in at Court Square. Okay. Okay, so the red dead center one you're telling people is the Monticello Hotel is not the Monticello Hotel. It's actually the pink one that is the Monticello Hotel. Hmm. So it is not dead center. Well, the red pin is from when I typed in 500 Court Square. The pink one says in at Court Square. Oh, actually, he's right. Judah's right. The pink one is the Inn at Court Square, which is next to the Jefferson School. The red one, dead center, is the old Monticello Hotel. Judah is right. You are right. That is the red one. So the red one is where it's at. Go back to a one-shot here. We're talking about, at one time, this was the tallest building in the city of Charlottesville. It is no longer the tallest building in the city of Charlottesville. In fact, if you Google tallest building, city of Charlottesville, there should be a little list that you can queue up and tell us who the tallest are. I've talked about this in previous shows. The idea for the Monticello Hotel came from a firm called the Jackson Park Hotel Company. The architects were Stanhope Johnson and R.O. Brannanham of Lynchburg. The plans for this hotel were for a colonial-style building, and interestingly, when it was talked about, in the late 1918, late 1918, 1919, 1920 vicinity, they really wanted to emphasize running ice water and radios in each room at the Monticello Hotel. 
This was before running ice water and radios in each room were commonplace. Apparently. The hotel first was built, the year it, it, um, the ground cracking was 1924. So construction started in 1924. The Monticello Hotel was completed and, and, and unveiled with 138 rooms in 1926. The building was converted from a hotel with 138 bedrooms into a mixed-use building in 1973. Mickey Hamlet, the law firm, law firm of this program, used to be on the first floor of the Monticello Hotel. Now they own a portion of an office building behind Truist Bank in Court Square. Mickey Hamlet, they're fantastic. Monticello Hotel, also called uh, 500 Court Square, is where Hoss Spencer, the acclaimed journalist, also lives. I saw him reading a uh, magazine or a newspaper in Court Square as I was getting to work yesterday morning. Hoss. I saw him eating a banana. Hoss, the very, there's the police chief, Chief Cotches. Yeah. Chief Cotches walking by. You got the list of the tallest buildings? Well, I went to uh, Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat, and apparently I, there must be some uh, high demand for this information because they give you the information for number one, which is Apex Plaza. How tall is that? <laughs> 115 feet. <laughs> 115? Yeah. That's not the tallest. Okay, well, that's what they've got listed. Now, the tallest building is the Draftsman Hotel at 121 feet. Year built in 2018. Well, the, the Draftsman Hotel on West Main has 10 floors. It's 121 feet tall. Number two is Apex Plaza. You said it's 115 feet? Yeah. Apex Plaza is two at 115 feet. Number three is the Monticello Hotel, 500 Court Square. It's 109 feet. The new University Hospital Tower has nine floors. It's 109 feet, slightly smaller than Monticello Hotel. And 1800 Jefferson Park, the apartment complex on Jefferson Park Avenue, that's 109 feet. Lewis and Clark is about 109 feet. And then the flats are just over 100 feet. The tallest building in the city of Charlottesville is the Draftsman Hotel on West Main. Hmm. I believe the Apex building is the tallest wood timber building on the East Coast. Wow. I'm going to confirm that. I believe, if memory serves, Apex building, wood timber. I think it is. Let's see. Apex Plaza. The tallest mass mass timber building on the East Coast. I said wood timber. Wood and timber are the same thing. The tallest mass timber building on the East Coast, Apex Plaza. That's a effing great. But that's a trivia question people can Google, so that wouldn't be a great trivia question, right? Yeah. We're trying to stay away stuff from stuff that you can Google. But the Apex Plaza next to ACAC downtown is the tallest mass timber building on the East Coast. That's pretty darn cool. I believe Elizabeth Cromwell, the former Chamber of Commerce CEO, signed a piece of timber in that building before it was finished. I think she told me that. 
Anything else you want to add? You have visuals you can put on screen, right? Or did you do that? I uh, put up the one picture that we had. Uh, this is from uh, Sean Tubbs, found on uh, Civilpedia. And Sean Tubbs has got a photo. Sean Tubbs getting props. And then, uh, let's see, we've got that. We've got an old photo. Well, not, not even a photo. Uh, here we go. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. I don't know if this is a postcard or... This is a postcard. This is from the Civilpedia website. That's what the Monticello Hotel looked like. It looks dope, right? And I think it looks dope. I've got another picture from... Do you think it looks dope? Yeah. I mean, that's a cool cool illustration. Yeah. What was this from? What's the other one? Ginny Who, hello. Dylan's Rule, hello. Dylan's rule says Fifth Street Station is also very valuable real estate. Agreed. Fifth Street Station is technically in Almora County. Um, Dylan's rule and Ginny Who, we love when you watch the program. Um, anything else from the Monticello Hotel? Yeah, let's see. You know what? Dylan's rule has made the program. Dylan's rule has made the program better. Let's send Dylan's rule and I Love Seville sticker on us. Can you send after the show's over? Can you DM Dylan's rule and send him an I Love Seville sticker on us? For making the program better. We're trying to grow our Twitter base. Thank you, Dylan's Rule and Ginny Who, for helping do that. What's the other photo you have? Here's a cool picture of uh, 500 Court Square from Google Maps. That shows you the height. You're talking the second tallest, third tallest building in the city of Charlottesville. The Monticello Hotel. It's tall. As buildings in Charlottesville go. Do you know, as, yeah, that's fair, that's fair. I got an interesting story about that. Sean Singletary, remember when we were helping Sean Singletary? He was a client of ours, say five, seven years ago, building his brand (laughs) as he was trying to transition from his playing career in the NBA to being a businessman. Mm -hmm. We helped Sean Singletary build a logo and and a brand identity for his basketball camps. Part of building that brand identity for Sean Singletary was um, a photography shoot in the Macklin building on the second floor, remember? Yep. Sean was um, on the second floor, or right around the corner from where our offices were located, posing for the uh, photo shoot. And he looks out the window and he goes, this ain't that tall, man, because he's used to Philadelphia and some big cities. And I said, Sean, for Charlottesville, this is what you get. Yeah. For Charlottesville, this is what you get. And we took the photo. This ain't that tall, man. It's not. For Charlottesville, this is what you get. 115, what was, what was the draftsman? 100 and Draftsman's the tallest, 115. That's the, uh, the restaurant that's home to the Ridley. No, Apex is... No, excuse me, 121, 15. the draftsman, 121. 121, they just, had to, they just had to outdo the Apex. I believe the Apex was finished after the draftsman. So the right. Apex had an opportunity to surpass the draftsman, but did not. Wow, missed opportunities. I mean, for what it's worth. Yeah, bragging rights. <laughs> Those don't mean much to you. <laughs> uh, Elon Musk finally has said that Twitter's breaking even. I know this is a national story and we talk locally. I'm going to localize this story this way. Elon Musk forced or influenced 70% of his staff to quit when he took the company private. Are you with me? Elon Musk... Mm-hmm. It was a business genius, a lot of people would say. Tesla, SpaceX, 
Twitter. A lot of people would also say that he stole those and uh, just... You don't believe that. I mean, it's not like he invented all those things. He didn't come up with Tesla. He is the driver of some of the most generationally impactful brands. Tesla, SpaceX, and now what he's doing with Twitter. Whether he's the... Whether he birthed the kernel, the original kernel of idea, that's debatable. But the idea is not the skill. The skill is the, tech, the, the practitioner and the process. And every day grinding and taking an idea and making it a reality. That's the talent. The idea is just one small part of it. So he's the, te- he's the practitioner. He's the grinder. He's the money. He's the grinder. He didn't have the money to begin with. What are you talking about? I know he's a wealthy family. And, but his wealth has far superseded his initial wealth where he started. Musk is a grinder. This guy sleeps at the facilities. It's not necessarily about, it is about the money for him, but it's not about the money for him. Anyway, that's off topic. He influenced, Forster influenced 70% of Twitter to quit staff. Mm-hmm. They had a skeleton crew running Twitter. There was a time months ago where we were talking on this show, will the lights still be on on this website? Or are we talking about the last days of Twitter? Charlottesville Twitter socialists, left-leaning Charlottesville Twitter, was literally trying to galvanize on other platforms. What was the one? Mastrodon? What? There's another platform called like Mastrodon, Mastrodon, that Charlottesville Twitter was trying to galvanize on. Long story short, today Elon Musk tells the world, after cutting 70% of the staff, that the website is now breaking even financially and running better than it ever has. The reason I make this point a national story on a local talk show is you have a guy that's a master practitioner, a man who has vision, a man who is undoubtedly ruthless, and a man who will do whatever it takes to get where he needs to go or where he wants to go. And that describes Elon Musk, who cut 70% of his staff, got the business to continue operating even more efficiently, and is now breaking even financially where previously Twitter was on the, break, on the brink of bankruptcy. This mindset is going to trickle into other spaces of business. The doing more with less and the bootstrapping of businesses in difficult economic times. You're seeing this in tech. You're seeing this with Microsoft, with Meta, with Snapchat. Any tech company, most tech companies are doing layoffs right now. But that always happens during a downturn. They saw what Musk was able to do. And in boardrooms at these companies, they said, why can't we do this ourselves? I know that's happening in a downturn and usually happens in a downturn, especially when credit markets tighten. And that's what we have now. But Musk is doing something that was pretty significant. I don't think we should underestimate what Musk has done at Twitter. Fair enough. Anything you want to add before we close the show? And Jason Howard says, weren't food trucks, carts like Catch the Chef 
pushed off the downtown mall by local brick and mortar businesses because they didn't believe the competition was fair. What's the level of support going to be from local businesses for a $30 peddler license being the cost of business to legally pay and handle in the downtown mall? He's basically saying at one time you could go to the downtown mall and you could see Tyler Berry of Catch the Chef or you can see Justin Vanderlyn of Smoked. Remember his food cart? Line was around the corner. The reason those food carts were pushed off the mall is because the downtown mall restaurants didn't like that competition because the carts were taking customers away from them and the carts didn't have the rent overhead or the contributions to the city like the brick and mortars were doing. That actually did happen. Contributions to the, to the city how? The restaurants don't own those cafe spaces. They pay rent to the city on the cafe spaces, whether the customers are there or not. So the, the restaurant owner is paying rent for the storefront yeah. to a private landlord and then, and then running the, the cafes from the city. Now it's a very advantageous rent split for the square feet they're getting. It's a fantastic deal because let's cut to the chase. It's to the city's advantage of having those cafes full because if the cafe's full, they're spending money and they're generating meals tax revenue for the city. Yeah. So they hook them up. But the restaurant owners that had the brick and mortars basically said the, the, the food trucks, or excuse me, the food trucks and the food, the food carts and the trailers, what Justin at Smoked had and what Tyler at Catch the Chef had, were unfair market advantage. And that led to them getting pushed off the mall. That's actually happened. That's, I, could, I, I think that's a, a pretty fair. You uh, think it's fair for the restaurants? Wow, I'm surprised you went with that take. I would have never have guessed you. And I'm not saying your take is wrong. I'm not, I'm not knocking your take. No, I'm wondering I would have thought you would have gone with the food trailer side. I mean, I would love to have food trailers on the downtown mall, but I think it's fair that uh, if you're paying for that cafe space and people are, you know, rather than coming to your restaurant, they're grabbing a burger from, uh, you know, Al's burger stand and then sitting on your, uh, sitting in your, in your seating, that's, you know, I, I would, perhaps an equi- an equitable solution would have been for the city to, uh, to refund a portion of that at the end of each year based on, uh, the number of, uh, based on the number of, uh, what do you call it, the vending, vending licenses they, they sold to people selling on the downtown mall. So the idea is... The idea is that if you had people like uh, Catch the Chef and... Uh, smoked? Smoked, paying money to the, to the city, that part of that money at the, I don't know, whenever, at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, goes towards p- partially paying for those cafe spaces. Well, Smoked and Catch the Chef would be paying meals tax to the city for the meals that they're selling downtown. No, I know that. And Smoked and Catch the Chef would have to get a business license for selling food downtown. And Smoked and Catch the Chef may need even a peddler's license. Yeah, but none of that... For selling downtown. But none none of that covers the reason why the restaurants that said it was unfair that they could sell their food on the downtown mall, which is that we're paying for these cafe spaces. And so if you had part of those cafe spaces subsidized or repaid... The cafe spaces are already significantly subsidized. It's 
well below market, the price per square foot for running those cafes from the city. Well, then are you saying the restaurants really had no had no uh, right to? Uh, I, I'm no, to, I'm not saying to that. claim. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that. I see both sides of it. I see both sides of that. I can imagine why a restaurant, Mike and Cecilia at Rapture, you're talking nineteen, twenty thousand dollars a month in rent. And I'm just saying nineteen, twenty thousand a month in rent. A food trailer doesn't have rent. And I'm just saying that maybe if you took a little of that money that the city gets from the food trailers and used it to further... Then you'll win the battle of perception and then keep the trailers on the mall? Yeah. You make the, the restaurant owners happy and uh, you've got, you know, it's, it's, I love having little, you know, little food carts on the downtown mall. Well, the food cart on the mall offers a uh, different price point that's missing from the mall. Yeah, it offers a different price point. It offers you can't e- buy under ten bucks on the mall for lunch unless you're getting use. a slice of pizza. It offers ease of use and speed in a lot of cases, <laughs> and also variety. I mean, who else is who else is selling hot dogs in the downtown mall? Chaps, maybe. Does Chaps have a hot dog? Where can you buy a, ha- a hot dog on the downtown mall? I think so. Can you buy a hot dog at Timberlake's? Good question. You're going to look at Chaps? I'll look at Timberlakes. I think you can get a hot dog at Timberlakes. Remember the downtown, the downtown uh, hot dog company? Uh, in York vaguely, Place? Yeah. It was owned by yeah. Eric and Jenny Saunders. Was it York Place? Yeah. For some reason, I had a. I felt like that was in the spot that uh, Vita Nova's in now. No. Downtown hot dog company was in York Place. Mm-hmm. It was where the rental office is now for uh, the York Place and for that, that company that's managing uh, the building. What, is that Ludwig's company? Downtown Hot Dog Company was um, a gourmet hot dog stand owned by Eric and Jenny Saunders that operated out of York Place. Where do you get a good hot dog in the city of Charlottesville? I like a good hot dog. Vanessa Parkhill says Judah Chaps has hot dogs. I thought they did. There you go. It's been a while since I've looked at the menu, but I thought I remembered seeing it. Vanessa, thank you. Mm-hmm, thank you. Queen of Rollysville. I love, a, I love some good encased meat. <laughs> there, I think uh, there, there used to be a place, uh, what was it? Uh, Sam's Hot Dog Stand in Crozet. How would I have known about that? What's in Crozet? It's close to here. There was... Uh, <laughs> That's how? Okay. Um, <laughs> what was the other hot dog? Where are you going with this? What's the other hot dog place? There's a place over, uh, what was it, behind, uh, behind Bliss? Where, where was that? Behind Bliss. What, what's that? Behind, what's Bliss? The place across from, uh, from uh, Best Buy. And I'm not sure what you're referring to. What are you referring to? Is it called Bliss? What are you talking about? What's the business? What do they sell? They sell adult products. Of what variety? Ultimate Bliss. Oh. There was a there was a hot dog place behind there, or not a hot dog place, but kind of like a little diner place. No, I've talked about this. It's yeah. a bar. It's one of the best dive bars in Charlottesville. Has it always been a dive it's bar? Knipe Brothers. It's a bar. I've been there. I've had coldies okay. there. Frosties. Well, that's Coldies. the place I'm talking about. They've got hot dogs. They do have hot dogs. They've yes. got footlongs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
There you go. Knight Brothers. Brothers Bar and Grill. I always thought they were Italian and it was Canada. You guys should try that this weekend. Viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show, go to Brothers Bar behind the porn shop Ultimate Bliss and let us know what it tastes like. I'll see if I can persuade the missus to bring uh, our five-year-old and our four-month-old to, to Brothers this weekend. See how that goes. Let us know how that goes. Um, Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller, the I Love Seville show on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care.